Hello, this is season three of the Fan Experience Experience with Darren Young, Mark Bradley, and a special guest. Hello once again and welcome to the Fan Experience Experience, the podcast that walks along the touch points of the fan journey with me, Mark Bradley, and as ever, Darren Young. Darren, how are you today? Um, yes, fine. Thank, thank you, Mark. Very good. Yes, that's uh, in spite of um, an, a fan- fantastic first part of the season with Warsaw, but a, a less impressive second part. Is that fair to say? I think that's the understatement of the year. <laughs> I think, yeah, yeah. We'll go. We'll just go for the understatement of the year because I'm trying to trying to forget yeah. about it at the moment. Well, exactly, and of course, because these podcasts don't go out live, um, you know, we can't be talking about anything that might be happening right now. But if there is a kind of a, a, a weird sound to my voice, it's because of the unlikely achievement of Sunderland making the playoffs when actually a year ago we were fifth in um, League One. But there you go. So from a downer. To and up, we've got once again with us today, uh, Ali Alistair Crawley. How are you, Ali? I'm very well, thank you. A little bit, uh, a little bit tired, but apart from that, uh, got my coffee. He's got, got a good excuse. That's fine. <laughs> yes. and, and what's your excuse? Uh, became a dad for the second time on Sunday morning. So little Archie was born, and has been causing mayhem ever since. There you go. <laughs> and, and, and that's what they do. Speaking as a father of a twenty-seven and a twenty-four, <laughs> Darren's got two in the teens. Um, but there you are. So, I mean, today we've asked you to join us because we're going to talk about um, a touch point that, on the face of it, is you know what those who work in uh, customer experience would regard as a basic hygiene factor, and that's. That's buying a ticket. But I think what we'll do over the next 25 minutes is actually explore that it's much more than that, you know, both from the fan and the club's perspective. And, uh, you know, everything from the opportunity to collect data to how smaller clubs, what you know, non-league clubs, community clubs, grassroots clubs can actually um, easily access online services and digital services, you know, right through to the parent taking, you know, his or her child to their first game. So, I mean, Ali, from, from your background, obviously working for an establishing fan base, this is right up your street. This is part of what you do. So what was it that led you to focus on ticket purchase? Why, why did that appear to be the area in which you felt you could make a huge difference? We got into ticketing as a means to make sure that we were gaining extremely valuable data so we didn't set out necessarily in fan base to say right we're fan base ticketing's not going too well in the industry we need to come in and shake it all up and do ticketing better that was almost a side product of what we were seeing which was clubs of all sizes were really struggling with their data and that was a huge opportunity and there's no greater sign of intent for a person to connect with their local club or a larger club than actually buying a ticket. So it's such a strong indicator for engagement with an individual and what you can get wrapped around that ticket purchase in terms of information if the if the fan is willing to share it with the club is exponentially huge. So um that's why that's actually why we got into it and it's um yeah it's, it's proving to be true if people you know the, the information that you can start to pull together off the back of a ticket purchase and then what you can then do with that information to help that fan is is amazing so 
that's uh, that's really why we got into it. I mean, one, one, go on, Darren, go ahead. It was one of the points, I, um, as, as some people will, will have seen from our, our previous two episodes, um, we also do a, a blog um, that accompanies this this podcast. And, and I was starting to put it together yesterday, and it struck me that this is – this, this is the touch point where there's the least margin for error for the club. So all the others, you know, if you think about, I won't go through them all, but, you know, if you've got website or, you know, um, travel travel arrangements, you can you can get away with things to a degree with those. But if you don't sell a ticket properly and the fan can't buy it, then they can't get to the game, or certainly for a lot of, in a, in a lot of circumstances. So there's a lot less, it just struck me what what a what a small margin for error there was in this whole process. I think, from my perspective as well, um, it, I'm very interested in its application at levels of the game, where you know, for a variety of reasons, sometimes even just the age of the committee, um, the con- you know, digital services are seen as if you know outside of their reach. And um, I'll, give, I'll give you a good example of of how how well it can work. Um, we were down in um, Hampshire, in, in Portsmouth, um, in February, and I decided it'd be interesting to go down and see um, Brett Pittman play. He, I think he's breaking European scoring records. So you remember Brett Pittman played for Bournemouth and scored many goals for them. Yeah. And he's still playing for AFC Portchester. And when I went on to check about uh, admission prices and, you know, where to park and, and everything, I discovered that you could actually buy tickets online. Now, you know, I'm not suggesting that, uh, you know, for example, that this is the most comprehensive and detailed and with, with bells ringing. It was just this, this, I'm just talking simple concept here. The concept of being able to buy a ticket online meant that when I arrived at the game, they knew they had somebody coming who actually lived more than 250 miles away. So when I arrived on the morning... Um, and I asked to pick up my ticket because you actually did still picked up your ticket rather than got it um, online. Um, you, effect, you effectively signaled you, you, you paid online and then picked up on the day. Um, but I had the best welcome I think I've ever had. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. there were two people looking out for me. Oh, you're the fella that's come down from Yorkshire. Brilliant. Come on, we'll, we'll, we'll introduce you to the chairman. You can meet the team manager. And it was just a simple thing they'd done that actually allowed them to make me feel super valued and you know in spite of the fact that um he did score he scored in injury time in that game um but i still feel of all the lower league and community experiences i've had that one shines out because by using digital services albeit only a small part of it they were able to make a massive impression on me there was a a person that works at wasserman which is a huge if people don't don't know Wasserman. It's a massive agency that that works in in sports, and uh, I got a quote sent to me by um, my good friend Nick at the Calb uh, at the Calb, and uh, it was ticket. His view was ticketing is about as far away from a commodity as you could possibly imagine, which mm-hmm. goes completely against what you would usually see in the industry. Is you know ticketing is essentially a commodity, which if you look at it on the pure face of it, the transaction itself and being able to fulfill that, it is. It's a huge amount of people that do it. But there's very few people that then put that information to work. And I think that's what you were seeing was it was a rudimentary system that they had at AFC Porchester. However, you they've used that information to their own benefit to, to provide a better service. Mm. And that's had a lasting impression. 
And I think once you start to roll that up at any kind of scale and apply any sort of level of automation to some elements of that, be that the, um, the communications that go to that particular fan that might be traveling uh, in the lead up to the game or following the game, um, I think it's it's probably one of the largest untapped areas in sports uh, kind of service and sports marketing um, that is ripe and ready to go. We definitely see a lot of that where in the assessments we do, where we buy the ticket online and then there's this huge window where the club could send an email or could just get in touch with you and, and give you so much more information about the game, but about other games and all sorts of stuff. But I think it's fair to say, Mark, isn't it, that many miss that opportunity or don't do it anywhere near as well as they could? It, it, it's true. And in fact, again, and this is where, you know, we, we moved from Hampshire to um, to uh, the Central Belt in Scotland, and in fact, Southwest Scotland, for how um, Ali and I first became acquainted. And it was... It was a, a, a program we were we were doing, as as everybody knows who who, who follows us. Um, we undertake detailed fan experience assessments, among other services that we provide to the sports industry. And the reason for doing that is basically to, I mean, naturally just identify gaps that clubs might want to um, address to improve the fan experience, but also to act as a form of catalyst. So when you see the story of what it was like for a new fan to attend your club that has a bit of a kind of emotional power that will hopefully act as a catalyst and will you know make ears prick up and get people to act faster and um i was i was doing this i was actually checking out how to buy tickets for annan athletic um fc edinburgh uh, and annan athletic and um uh, what what happened was that as soon as i went online in fact i i went um on twitter i think first i was looking on twitter and, and I found the fan base up um, that they were that they provided for for both clubs, and two things happened. First, I was surprised positively, you know, that that clubs in the lower leagues in Scotland would actually be well ahead of most clubs at any level of the game that I've encountered when it's come to that uh, ticket purchase experience. And then just the ease. So from my perspective, the ease of just being able to turn up and and wave my phone. Um, and then the club to actually, you know, from the club's perspective, as Ali said, for them to have that data. And it kind of set me thinking, because I think, Darren, you'll know that one of the things that we really like to see um, on the family um, excellence scheme that we run with the EFL, which is in, I think, its 17th season, um, is that clubs, seeing that that first touch point is actually, for kids, it's it's hopefully going to be a memory. I think we talked in the first podcast about Darren breaking into uh, Walsall's ground when he was five or something. Um, and it took a while <laughs> to identify the first ticket, the first game that he actually, um, I say break in, I think he was lifted over the turnstile, but you know. Um, some, some people would say there's, there's not much of a distinction, but anyway. Yeah, I mean, most people trying to break, <laughs> yeah, most people are trying to break out these days. <laughs> clubs, usually that's, that is the, that is the uh, thing. And um, clubs are offering first-time fan experiences. So when you buy a ticket, whether you buy it over the phone, whether you buy it digitally, they're picking up that you're not on the database. And if you're bringing a child, they're either automatically offering or they're getting in touch with you subsequently to offer you and your child a first-time fan experience. And, you know, at, 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 at several clubs, uh, Blackpool is a, is a good example. Um, Swindon's another example. And Stoke City's a good example as well. They, they actually do that. So whether it's a 
whether it ends, you end up getting a goodie bag or a visit in your seat or whether you're greeted by the mascot or in the case of Middlesbrough, you actually get a telephone call from the family liaison officer who arranges to meet you um, more than an hour before the game in order to give you a tour of the club's family facilities and make you feel incredibly special. You know, so we've seen very, very quickly clubs realise that actually for different fan types, the, t- the ticket purchase process means different things. Would you agree, Darren? Well you, see, well, you see a contrast, don't you? Because those examples you've just given are just fantastic, especially, I mean, like a phone call, you know, that, that's just amazing. But then one of the things that I, I was looking at it slightly from the other end of it as well, when a club just sort of hands over their ticket purchase sort of thing to, a, to another company who doesn't know anything about the club, and it was one of the things I really wanted to to ask Ali while he's here, of because because you know we've we've had assessors who've got in touch with the club, and I won't I won't mention any names, but they've got in touch with the club, and the person who answered the phone or or got in or they got in touch with didn't know anything about the club, and and couldn't even answer some very simple questions. So I guess there's all sorts of you know there's there's a, there's a right way and a wrong way, and and I think you know Ali what Ali what what's your you know what's that balance like? Because the, the you know you must have seen seen lots of examples. Yeah, yeah I think and and when I was across in Chicago, um, we went to uh we went to a couple of games. I went to a couple of games when I was there, and you could definitely see that separation of you'd have you know big big, 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 big ticketing provider. Don't necessarily need to name names, but you've got that kind of staff side of things and they're on the phones and, and it is very transact. You kind of get into that transactional space, which is difficult. I can see the appeal of it, kind of outsourcing it. I put a post on LinkedIn the other day when I was speaking to a head of ticketing for, for a, a football team. And uh, you are in that role. You are the first line of customer support. You also are then responsible for between 40 or 60 percent or more of revenue that's coming into the club. So you have this huge commercial responsibility, but you're also having to answer the phones and talk to talk to fans. And it could be hundreds of a day um, with a very small team. In our experience, uh, uh, Ali, that's very much um, customer engagement more generally. Uh, Darren and I, you know, for many years worked in the fields of customer engagement and service excellence. And yep. you can see it in an organization like Disney, uh, uh, what they do. And then you compare it with most organizations where the customer service team don't have a seat at the big table. They are seen as the kind of um, the one, the ones that will Fire, do it. Firefighters. Yeah, firefighters, <laughs> that sort of thing. And, it, yeah. you know, you're describing a very, very similar scene here. The people who arguably make the biggest difference are the ones who have the lowest profile within the business and are valuable, yeah. you know. Yeah, Absolutely. And I think to answer your point, Darren, I think I think in my opinion and, and our opinion as a company is you have to put all the control into the hands of the of the club and, and enable that relationship between the club and the fan to be as close as possible. So that's that's how we see it. So to outsource that to a third party, I think you have to if it's gonna work, you have to make sure that your values are aligned, that your objectives are shared, that um you regularly are reviewed as a third party um, and all that kind of stuff. But my, our, our model is personally that our model is we are there to, to enable and support the club, provide the best experience to their fans yeah. and nail that, you know, and really empathize with what the fans trying to achieve. So that's, that's the challenge, isn't it? So I guess, I guess that, there's really, I guess there's a really sort of, 
interesting challenge there though isn't there because I, I, I when I was putting the blog together yesterday I, re- I remembered probably one of the most difficult experiences I'd had buying a ticket it was nothing to do with the system itself but there was the system went off into various pages when you as you went through it and this was the club controller in it not not through a through a, a third party and at, on three different pages the game was at three different venues um now it was you know it was it was a club who was you know not, you know, not not of the size that that, that perhaps most fans would would deal with but it's it was still a thing where actually there's three different pieces of information about the same game so i suppose if the clubs are going to take responsibility for it and do it then they need that support because otherwise they could make mistakes like that which actually make it worse yeah absolutely i think that i think what what clubs will especially in the lower leagues so i'm talking kind of league one league two national and below and equivalents in scotland northern ireland wales it's always going to be a, a, a challenge around capacity because you're prop the lower down you go everything's been piled more and more onto uh, less and less people where you sometimes end up actually in fairly kind of larger teams that you would th- think would have fairly decent um staffing capabilities you could have retail ticketing and an element of commercial all piled on top of one individual who's then meant to be answering phones and trying to give the best fan experience possible, um, which is where volunteers come in. But I think that's the challenge with with making sure that from a, from a ticketing standpoint, it needs to be, as you were saying earlier, Mark, right, really simple, really clean, really easy. From our standpoint, as, as, as automated as we can possibly make it without turning it into something that feels transactional. Absolutely. So and, providing and- a really good service, but um, then putting that power back into the control in the hands of the individuals at the club, um, yeah. and just keeping that relationship going between that club, the club, and the fan, um, that should always be growing and improving um, all the time. When we look back at the, you know, the many years that we've that we've done what we do, um, you know, in the early days, quite a few of the League One and League Two clubs, so you're going back to the mid, well, two thousand and six, two thousand and seven, you couldn't buy online. I mean, it seems strange yeah. now. Um, you, you can with all of them, but th- then at the time you couldn't. And I remember my other half, who was who ran one club um, to buy tickets and was greeted with a with a gruff um, northern voice that said, "No, it's pay on gate," you know. And, and she kind of envisaged a, a you know a shepherd stood there with a purse, you know, next to a kind of a field with a fence <laughs> around it, and. And, might, and not been, might not have been a million miles away at the time. <laughs> well, yeah. No, I mean, you know, I, I'm slightly <laughs> exaggerating. Uh, but but the, the the fact is that these days it is, you know, in inverted commas, the lower league, the non-league, the community, the grassroots club that is actually, um, because of its facilities, if they don't have 3 or 4G, much more likely to have a game called off because of bad weather. So if you've got the sale in the bag, <laughs> you know, looking at it from a pure commercial point of view, then you've got that money regardless. And it's much more likely that if a game is postponed and rescheduled, the person who's bought that ticket is still going to attend the rescheduled game. You know, but if yeah. you, you know, and, and that was always one of the original, one of, you know, one of the original um, motivations for in, introducing online ticketing, you know, from the, you know, from the commercial perspective. And yet, you know, many, many, many 
community clubs, I think I've probably, you know, we, we would do assessments at, you know, if you include League Two and League One in women's football, we're probably doing 150 a year at that level, you know, and um, it's, you'd probably say 20%, you know, and, and even then, if you go down to community and grassroots, you're talking 3%, 4%. So I think that that's that's obviously where the big growth opportunity is, and I think where the opportunities are. Cost is obviously an issue. You know, the, the, you'd agree, wouldn't you, Darren? That when people are trying to upgrade services and clubs, it is often seen by the uh, the board as a cost rather than a benefit. Is that true? Well, yeah, well, yeah, definitely. I think that too too many people look at it that way. But you could say that about fan engagement and, and the match day experience. Full stop. Where people think, oh well. What's that going to cost us? When actually, what what you're saying is it's going to get more fans to the to the ground and them having a better experience as well. So, if you think that both of those must, by definition, bring in more money, then how can it be a cost? But that's probably a probably a wider a wider debate. I mean, what, one of the things I'm I'm really interested on, and, and probably while while we've got you on, Ali, it's it's a really yep. A good opportunity to find out. We we were asked to do a project recently about um, the number of clicks that people had to sort of make <laughs> to get a ticket. Um, and I think generally, I mean, without going into any detail, Mark, um, because you're probably too probably too dull really in terms of the actual numbers. But it just felt like there was a few too many clicks more than anything. I was just wondering what what you know because I'm I'm a big big supporter of make it as easy as possible for fans to do whatever they need to do. And some of, some of the tickets that I've had to buy recently, I feel like I've given my details five times before I've even got the ticket. It's a piece of research we did relatively recently because we were, we've been told that we're fast and simple to use and, and that's fantastic. But we're like, is this a, like what's going on elsewhere, obviously. So keeping an eye on what, what others are doing. And on average, it was taking our team, and we were doing this pretty fairly, a minute and a half to two and a half or th- even three minutes to buy a ticket. And it felt like you were, on some of them, it felt like you were having to give your life story mm-hmm. to, to buy a ticket. So it felt very, you know, think back not too far you know, in the past. That was how you would purchase things online. You have to give like, all your data and all your information to get anything to happen. Then massive businesses came along and made made things very fast and very simple so when it comes to ticket purchasing we and and where's our competition we look at amazon fastest mm-hmm. you know fastest system on the planet when it comes to to buying um so yeah it's it's a real i i just think ticketing in general in sports is so overly complicated and then on top of that and i don't know how it's managed to get so overly complicated um it's just kind of what we do isn't it as as humans and then when it gets to clicks yeah it's it's ridiculous you're talking 10 15 different clicks just kind of going through different pages and processes that's not even including data entry and capture um it's it's absolutely ridiculous it's so easy for a fan just to say i can't be bothered to do this that, that, oh, that, that's my, yeah, that's my yeah you just think well why why am I, I i can't put myself through this for that long so i'm going to stop Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that that mo- so e-commerce wise you're talking five if you've got a sec if you know if the delays are anything more than kind of 5 seconds you're you're going to be looking at a significant drop off. Yeah. And it's going to be invisible because what often will happen is that that whole process is outsourced entirely online. 
Mm. Um, and you won't see all the drop off that's happening kind well, of landing page to then exiting and, and just going, oh, can't be bothered. Well, well, I was doing an assessment the other week and it took that long to get the ticket. I actually almost didn't get, didn't do it myself. I nearly phoned Mark up and said, I'm not doing this because it's just too, it's too much trouble to get a, to get a ticket. And, and and I'm doing that as an assessment. I'm actually getting paid to do that yeah. work. If you're a fan, you're going to have to yeah. pay for a ticket and maybe a family and you're going through 10 minutes of, of torture then, then sometimes you can, you know, it, the easiest thing is just actually just let's go to the cinema instead. Yeah. Well, anyway, listen, chaps, from from ten minutes of of torture to thirty minutes of pure delight. Uh, there you go. How about that for a professional link at the end of this <laughs> podcast? Um, <laughs> we could talk forever on this subject. It's something that you know when we first looked at it, like we said at the start, it just appears to be one of those, you know, dare I say, it, boring subjects, but. Uh, Ali, thanks to your input, your experience, and and the remarkable work you're doing, especially I have to say at the likes of Decalb, uh, over in Chicago, Adan and Edinburgh City, many more up and down the country, as well as the the bigger clubs. I think people are now really beginning to get an understanding of um, the value to the fan and obviously the value to the business. Uh, so listen, thanks both. Um, I, I really appreciate you. Um, your time today. I, I want to, Dan. We both want to wish Ali all the best with uh, with yeah. Archie. Uh, yeah. Yeah, thank you guys. Yeah. So you know, any, we, uh, we obviously edit. Yeah, we edit these things really quickly. He'll be three by the time this podcast comes out. So. <laughs> And, and I was saying from a from experienced uh, experienced fathers. Any tips on the second? Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. Well, I was just currently WhatsApping me. She's uh, she's a chef, so um, I'll have a word with her and see and see how she rates the upbringing that, uh, that, we've, <laughs> that we've provided. And Darren, thanks it's again. Not, for... Yeah, it's not a tip, Ali, as well. But what you'll find is that is that all the things that you do for the first one, yeah, there's around safety and everything. Second time around, if it's anything like my experience, you'll just say she'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, gentlemen, on this, uh, on that very, very joyful moment, I want to thank you both for participating today in our buying a ticket um, episode of this third uh, season of the Fan Experience Experience. As I'm sure you know by now, you can follow us at, at Fan Experience Co on Twitter. And our website is www.fanexperienceco.com. Uh, I'm sure you're going to want to find out more about what uh, what Ali does. Uh, on Twitter, it's at fanbase underscore clubs. And the website is very simply fanbaseclub.com. So please uh, go and check out what, what Ali does. Uh, check out what we do on all of the usual places where you find your podcasts. And we'll see you next time on the Fan Experience Experience. Bye, everyone.